3: Let's face it. Happy Father's Day, everyone, June 21st, 2015. Thank you for tuning in to Let's Face It with Will Strayhorn and Friends. I'm your host, Will Strayhorn, and I'm in the studio with two of the most fabulous women I know, Ms. Alicia Brown and Janae Kaye. How are you doing, ladies? How are you?
4: Wonderful and hot. (laughs) You're hot? (laughs) Wonderful
1: and hot. You're hot. Yes, I can't of the Virginia weather. It just
3: no. Oh and my God, goodness! And it's so, and it's so humid. That's what yes. that's what really kills me about it. I can't breathe. Oh. I already have allergies and sinuses, <laughs> and then I'm like, ugh. So I stay in the house. of things I can be doing, but I just can't do the heat. I can't do the heat. You know my, you know my patience is already short. I'm quick tempered, and then go out in the heat. and The no. people driving slow, the huh? looking at you. I,
4: so I would have never deal known. With
3: can't deal with the can't things,
4: deal the lies he tells on himself. Oh yes, Please. <laughs> speak it, speak it. Yes,
1: God. But I'm, I'm gonna let it go. It's Sunday. It's Sunday. Yeah, yeah. It's, Sunday.
3: it's Sunday. So how was Pray your you how Sunday. was your weekends, ladies? I haven't talked to you. It seems like forever.
0: Mm. Mm. Well, what I had a know? really, what I had, had a really
4: good weekend, but it was it was long. Yeah. But I, I had the opportunity to support two really good um, causes in the community. On Friday, I had an opportunity to serve as a red carpet manager for the Michael Vick Foundation and his gala. All right. Oh wow! Yeah, that was cool. That's awesome. Uh huh. And then on Saturday, well, um, we drove well. up to DC for. Um, an event that supports HIV and AIDS awareness. Yeah.
0: Oh, yeah,
3: that was the Red Pump, what was it called, the Red Pump? The Red Pump
4: Project. Uh-huh, the Red Pump Project. Yeah. Yeah, Amazing. it was a really good
3: event. So t- tell me about the, the Michael Vick. What, what went on? Was there any celebrity there that you met, or what, what happened? Where was it?
4: Well, well, it actually took place at the Virginia Living Museum in Newport News. So, it was a really unique oh, venue, God. but I liked it. I really did like the, the okay. ambiance. Um, they had, you know, a lot of stuff going on. They had a live van on one floor. They had wow. a DJ on the bottom floor. They had casino mm-hmm. games, the Garlott Lounge for those who like that kind of thing. So, it was something for everybody right. there. Yeah, so it was a really was good Was everybody thing.
3: dressed up? Was everybody, everybody dressed was up? Everybody was
4: dressed really nice, yes. Everybody looked really, really nice.
0: What?
3: Yeah.
0: Yeah. I'm sorry I missed that. I know that the
3: to the show, Nikki Curry, she had invited us, but I am in the process of moving, and you don't know how much stuff you have collected until it's time to move.
0: So oh, yeah. um,
3: we, would, we would start packing, and then we would sit down, we would go get something to eat, go get some Popeye's <laughs> chicken or whatever, <laughs> come back, half-pack another box, and then we would take another break. So we took more breaks than we did packing. So you had a pack um, party
5: really. <laughs> exactly. That's what
3: I did. That's what I did. I uh-huh. wish I could afford to just have somebody come in here, and I just have a clipboard, and I can just point the stuff and just say, pack it up. But, you know, I'm not there yet. So we're still packing, still
6: moving. That's been my weekend.
3: Mm, I, yeah. Of course, I did get a little shopping in. I do that all the time um, for the new place. But it was busy. It was a really busy weekend. Did you get a chance
0: oh.
3: to um, relax much?
0: Yes. But, Miss so Alicia, what did I you do love. other than
3: eat crab legs? Crab legs, and what
0: did you say, shrimp? Sure. <laughs> See, how are you going to call me out here? Did, did not share. See, that's what I want to know. Why do I always get
1: called out? Like the redheaded stepchild. step yeah.
0: out.
1: Again, I'm going to mm-hmm. use the same excuse I used last week. I was decompressing. I decompressed before the show. So I was decompressing. I wasn't just eating crab legs. I was getting my protein in, and I was decompressing. See, it's the sacrifice I make for the show. <laughs> but don't okay.
0: do that. <laughs>
1: Okay. A good weekend, but a very busy weekend. You know, I was so blessed um, to attend the grand opening of one of my friends from graduate school, her new uh, wine and piano bar. Um mm-hmm. oh. entertainment! Yes, uh, Avenue, Avenue Blue. Blue. Yeah. Avenue Blue, which is in the Peninsula Town Center on my side, Hampton, Virginia. But just you know, you know West how Coast. the three of us are. Mm-hmm. If you say West Coast one more time. Yeah, like I live in Egypt, but whatever. Um, What, 30 minutes away? Okay. But just the atmosphere to walk in. And you know how the three of us all week were just running, doing like 800,000 different things in the span of like 24 hours. But just my, my whole demeanor just calmed down. I was relaxed just in the first few minutes of walking through the door. Um, oh, so it was wow. an awesome time, met some fabulous people. And then from there, just a lot of planning, a lot of things from the business end, um, getting things together for the future. There's a lot of um, magazine articles I'm writing, a lot of blogs, a lot of radio interviews coming up, just a whole. And in the middle of that, I'm trying to publish a second book. So there's a lot Yay. of stuff going on, and I'm tired. Mm. But uh, it's going to be all yes. right. I know.
3: Yes, yes, it is, yes, it is, yeah. yes, it is.
0: So, oh, see, wow, that's why wow. we couldn't have so, a
1: packing party to help you out, Will, because we were just we just too busy. I'm sorry. We me, was in spirit, though. Me, we me, was in spirit, so, right? Excuse
0: me,
3: excuse
0: me. <laughs> uh, we'll yes, bring a house warm again.
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh,
3: okay. Now, that'll work, that'll work. I need dishes, like I, yeah, need I need plates, I need... Things oh, like you know, that, I was yeah.
1: If we don't bring you what we what you need, we just bring what we want to bring. That's all that
3: is. Oh, I'll bring
1: you some oh. alcohol, and I'll drink it and tell you how it was. Okay. Oh. Yeah,
3: exactly, because you know. You know. Alicia, <laughs> you know, I'm going to get you. I'm so sorry. I'm going to get you. So, w- <laughs> has anybody seen anything in the news lately? I know it's a lot. Did you hear about the guy that went into the church and and
0: Yes. Oh, God. Yes. <sighs> yeah, that was wow. pretty
4: horrific. Yeah. Yes, it Heartless.
1: is. Yeah. I'm trying to hold Heartless. my peace on that one. I'm really trying to hold my peace. I'm trying to hold my peace. Well, i trying not to say nothing. What is it you
0: want to say?
1: Oh, thank you so much yeah, for asking. Yeah, I wasn't going to say no, but since you asked, you know, I, I'm not, you know, everybody wants to talk about the racism, everybody wants to talk about the hate crime. I'm not saying that, that those elements do not exist because, of course, they do. Um, but my only issue is that, you know, this is not the first time this has happened. Um, I think we were talking about this on the show a couple months ago. We had the whole issue with, I think it was Ghana. And, you know, just in in, in, in on a natural basis, you know, it's a regular basis rather, there's always something going on around the country, um, other nations, where there's always something going on in church facilities. Um, I'll never forget when they had that um, event where, you know, they went into the university while the students were praying. They held some hostage. They were shooting Uh others. Mm -hmm. This is a reoccurring theme. So my thing is, you know, we talk about being in the the end times. Things like this are going to happen all the time, and they're going to happen in some of the places that we, you know, we reverence, we, we feel like we should be safe, we should be protected. You know, the only thing I say is we need to be prayed up. Um, and and pray those prayers of protection over our loved ones and our family every time we walk out the door, every time we rise, because these things are going to continue to happen, and they're going to happen in Mm -hmm. these places. Um, You know, if they happen in the school system, certainly they're going to come after you in a church. And there's nothing, in my opinion, you can do. You can wear a bulletproof vest. You know, some churches have security and and elaborate security systems. I'm not saying in certain areas that's not appropriate, but you're almost limited Mm -hmm. in what you really can do. To protect yourself in times like this. Still a tragedy, I, though. Still a tragedy. Definitely. Yeah, that's you know what I'm not. A,
3: yeah, I'm not against them locking the doors. I'm not against them carrying weapons because, like, oh. we're, we're living in dangerous times. I mean, of course, you could you could wind up with the loose cannon that's supposed to protect you. But given the alternative, this guy, he actually went into church and was with them for an hour. Mm-hmm. Right. And then and I, then turned on them.
4: Yes, yeah, I had a conversation you with know, somebody the other day that was saying that they felt like somebody should have been able to double-team him or, you know, there should have been somebody who was able to get him down before he was able to unload um, the amount of time that he did. So Right. You know, it's unfortunate, right. but I I agree that it, there may need to be, you know, security that are prepared for, you know, people who are not stable that may come through the doors.
3: And then you know. um I believe we were in the salon talking, and they said that in Richmond, was it Richmond? In Richmond, there was someone who came in and, um, what did they do? I'm going to get the story right. It was a similar copycat. There were a couple of copycats yeah. I believe in uh-huh. um was it Mississippi? That the person was shooting at the churches and then somebody came in um I think a church in Richmond, something similar, but there was a um a police officer that was amongst the congregation and that was set I'm just saying that one thing starts so many copycat episodes uh-huh. where yep. you know it's horrible. And then they were talking about the guy who did do this episode that they caught his friends were saying that earlier he was joking about going to shoot up a college campus and he was intoxicated. Oh, wow. so I think that his friends his friends had um hidden his gun or something and then they found out that this what happened. So he was probably he had been, you know, premeditating doing some type of harm to a mass number of people anyway. It just right. happened that this right. church situation came about. And um, which is horrible. Just a, I couldn't believe it. I mean, it's still things wow. I, that I do in church, and I had to grab my mouth because there's a certain sanctity that goes along with being inside the church. But this guy, he uh-huh. just disregarded all of that. Not only um, sat there for an hour, prayed with them, and then he killed them. It's crazy, right? right. Crazy. I mean,
4: how do you do that? You know, what is going on inside of you that gives you that much hate or you know malice to do something like that? after you've been worshiping with the people and listening to them, I mean,
1: it's, it's scary. It just goes to show you, though, that, you know, if the devil is influencing someone or working through someone, there's going to be all type of mechanisms, all type of schemes that are used mm-hmm. to really catch you off guard. And, unfortunately, for the unthinkable to happen. Yeah, that's
3: Right, right. So... What is the show about Alicia? I know that you had the question that you wanted to ask us. Ha, ha ha Tell us about that. <laughs> well, I'm ready. I'm ready for this.
1: Oh Lord. <laughs> See he always he always makes me do stuff. Um, tonight's show is on the topic of polyamory. And for anyone that doesn't know quite what that is, that is described best as either an open relationship or I like to call it multi partner relationships. And we'll get into later from the experts what does that mean? You know, is that someone that just goes and you just sleep with everybody, or is that someone where, you know, you're having like four or five people in a relationship? What what is polyamory? So tonight's show that's what we're we're examining. Um, it seems that this is a trend. Not that it's an overnight trend, because as we shared on our Facebook page, there's been times throughout history um, where there's been, you know, the move of polyamory, and it was something that, you know, in certain cultures it's just normal. Um, But, of course, we know the United States, we do things a little bit differently, and we'll discuss that. Um, But we're really going to delve on, especially when we look at the problems of relationships in America, um, is this something that, is the answer, the solution to maybe um, having a, a long-standing relationship, a healthier relationship. And then we're going to look at other aspects like how does it affect the children in those relationships um, and how do they deal with, you know, common problems or, or certain problems that we think would be tied to that sort of relationship. You know, it's hard enough with just two mm-hmm. people. But now when you have three people and four people, you know, the issues of jealousy, how do you deal with the issues mm-hmm. of diseases, how do you deal with finances? And then if you know, there's a mm-hmm. split and kids involved, how do you deal with the you know, who gets the custody issues? So we're gonna delve mm-hmm. into all of that. Mm-hmm. But you were okay. saying something um about I was supposed to ask a question.
0: <laughs> yeah. No it's not like it. to, I was
1: hoping I could throw that back to him and you know Okay, mm-hmm. so the question of the week is I won't say who suggested this question, but the question mm-hmm. of the hour: Would you see? Can you see yourself in a polyamorous relationship?
4: Absolutely not. <laughs> oh, see, I, I thought you were about to say
0: absolutely. <laughs> All right. Well, that that explains that. Okay. And
1: why
4: would you I say mean, that, Miss Janae? I just. Didn't we talk a bit earlier About how much stuff we have going on Mm. I have so much going on I cannot even see how I would add Juggling Two and three different men
0: Mm -mm. But see that's the thing In that
4: type of relationship
1: You might not have all that going on Because one of them could do this for you And the second one do this one Maybe the third
0: one could do
4: that It's just too much And then (laughs) they're going to want to be able to do it themselves So they're going to want to have multiple women And I'm just not That's just not me I I can't. Mm-hmm. I, I, I hear Mr. Strayhorn making some noises over there. I don't know what he got got. Uh, hey, hey. Because you know hey. I'm about to go and Mr. Did Strayhorn.
3: You know, I am just. Uh, y'all have to put my
1: last name like
0: there. Yeah,
1: because you know your name is on the show, you know.
0: <laughs> well, it is. I'm not really.
1: It is the opening theme music, you know. Okay. So, back to you, well, Mr. Brown. So that's that's
3: mm-hmm. to Mr. Will Strayhorn, because I ain't hear the answer. <laughs> um, well, okay. Um, let's see. How do I say this properly? Oh, you wow. know what? I always thought, because I'm a Taurus bull and I just be, you know, I be blunt about <laughs> it. I have always been a highly sexual person. Not an activity, but... um. It's just, hey, I'm a man, and it clouds most men's minds, and that's just how I've always been. And I've always thought in my mind that I could handle being in an open relationship or a polyamorous relationship. Thought
0: in my mind.
3: This is me trying to think and rationalize in my mind. However, when approached with the idea of doing it, oh, my God, I bitched down. I'm sorry. I, I can't figure out another way to do it. I I, I, I tried to say yes, but my heart okay. said no. I just, like like Janae was saying, seeing the other person, I think I could do it if the other person would be committed, but I don't think I could do it and see them doing it. So I'm sure that's kind of unfair and unbalanced. So, Basically, I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. I would want to be the man to say, you know, I'm strong enough to do this and this, 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 this. But when it comes down to it, no. As we, as we, you know, discovered last week, I'm a love addict and I love being in love. I, I'm a hopeless romantic, so I oh. couldn't. Do that. Unfortunately, I couldn't. Do, I would like to say All I
1: right.
3: can, but I couldn't. I couldn't do it. All right. Yeah. All yeah. right. But. Mhm. But what we're gonna do is we're going to take a. Uh, quick commercial break, Um, take care of some house business, and then we'll be right back with um, some more talking and one of our special guests, all right? So you're listening to Let's Face It. (laughs) You're listening to Let's Face It. We'll be right back.
7: Hey, y'all. Cedric the Entertainer here with Nisi Nash, taking a break from shooting the Soul Man to introduce you to Patience. Hi. Patience is a patient at St. Jude Children's Research Hospital.
1: Families never receive a bill from St. Jude for anything because all
2: a family should worry about is helping their child live.
7: St. Jude won't give up until they end childhood cancer, sickle cell, and other deadly diseases.
2: Because of you, there is St. Jude.
7: Learn more at stjude.org. If you're a single man under the age of 35, you'd probably like to know what the ladies are looking for on an online dating site. A guy who had a few drinks and later got pulled over for buzz driving. See, that could cost you around $10,000 in fines, legal fees, and increased insurance rates. And doesn't a guy who's back living with his parents but calls them my roommates just scream Mr. Right? Buzzed, busted, and broke. Because buzz driving is drunk driving. A message from the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council.
3: back to Let's Face It. We have a very special show, as we were saying earlier, planned for you tonight. Um, But first, we do have a very special spotlight interview with the one and only Coco Brown. Farrah Brown, a.k.a. known as Coco Brown, is an actress, comedian, and a native of Newport News, Virginia, right here in our hometown.
0: She has appeared
3: in countless sitcoms, movies, performed on comedy stages around the world, including BET's Comic View. Showtime at the Apollo, and who doesn't remember her as Jennifer and Tyler Perry's for better or worse? I know that's your favorite, Alicia. But she's here tonight
6: <laughs> to chat
3: with us about her past, her present, and extremely bright future. Please help me welcome to the show, please help me welcome Ms. Coco Brown.
5: Hey, welcome to the how you show, Coco. How are you
3: doing? How
5: you doing? I'm good, baby. I'm good. I'm sorry, I got a house full of daddies and I'm cooking. <laughs> all right. Oh, you cooking? What you cooking? So happy cooking? Father's Day to all the fathers out there. Hope somebody's making you a home cooked meal today as well. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Coco, nice. I have to ask you. I have to ask you. What are you yeah.
5: cooking, Coco? Um, you know, oh, yeah. I fired up the grill today, so I made ribs. I made jerk chicken. I made hot links. Hot mm. sauce. Uh, made some collard greens, made some uh
0: ah.
5: Applewood bacon smoked uh <laughs> baked potatoes. Go ahead,
0: go I ahead. made some
5: bacon wrapped asparagus. Ahead. I went in, you know, oh. I have to celebrate good men who are real daddies. How yes. about that? I know that's right.
0: That is amazing. right.
5: That's, well
3: we're so gl- we're so glad to have you on the show and especially taking time out of this Father's Day weekend. Um, oh, thank you for having me big bash. I, I'm, I'm kind of sad that I didn't get an invitation But, you know, I'll wait till next time
5: You know what, when you make your way to, down here to, to Georgia, baby I will take care of you, honey oh, I, I'm told thank I, you. I like
3: I used to be a slave I was so hoping come on you were going to say that <laughs> <laughs> Come on down here Uh-oh well, well, let's jump right in You know, in in researching you and reading your bio And all the different things that you have on um, the internet I noticed that we have something in common That you have a degree in mass communication. Um, I'm currently yes, in yes. school at ODU for mass communication. Okay. So after you received okay. your mass communications bachelor's, you also got your um, master's in education, right? Yes,
5: yeah, secondary education, yes. Yeah.
3: Okay. And then you worked in corporate was, America a pan- for a that while. Was, so- that
5: was a panic degree.
0: Was it? (laughs) That was a panic
5: degree because this business can be very fickle. And I was, you know, I panicked around 2005 and said, oh, God, I I don't know if this is going to work. I need to have a backup plan. I said, I can always be Miss Crabtree, so let me go and get this degree.
0: (laughs) You know what? I can relate
3: to that because mass communications is actually my backup degree. I've been a a hairstylist and makeup artist for 20 years. So once the economy hit and my business started slowing down, I went back to school. So I definitely understand okay. by having that backup degree. Um oh, yeah. So so when did you get your first chance in, in stand-up? When, when was your big break?
5: Um, you know, my big break, I would have to say, um, really let me, like, validate it that this is something I should do, was um, when I won D.C. Comedian of the Year back in 1997. Mm-hmm. I mean, I had only been doing comedy a year and um, competed against some seasoned vets and was voted, you know, D.C. Comedian of the Year, and that kind of just you know, put something in me, let me know that maybe I am on the right path, you know, and then uh, mm-hmm. winning Showtime at the Apollo when they used to do the comedy TKO portion of the show, and I won four straight times. And, you know, I, I was just like, this is obviously something I'm, I'm born to do. Sometimes your destiny finds you, and I think that's what happened.
3: Oh, wow. Amazing. Yes. And yeah. And we were looking, we know that we're going to talk about some of your things that you have coming up. You have a lot planned including the new movie um, Ted 2, but in the movie yeah. Single Mom Club, you played Lydia. And I know this came yes. about during a time when something was going on in your life and it helped you in your personal life. What was it like yes. playing this role and how did it help you?
5: It was very therapeutic because, I mean, I tell people it was, you know, art was imitating my life, or my life was imitating art, or however way you want to put it. Um, because during that time when I had uh, began filming that movie, uh, my ex-husband and I had decided to separate. And I was literally becoming a single mom as I was shooting the single mom's club. So it was very therapeutic because, you know, at the time, me Long was a single mom, and she became such a great sounding board for me. And then there was a lot of things in the movie um, – with my character as well as um, that resonated with some of the other characters that kind of put me in the mind frame of you can do this. Um, it's not what you signed up for. No time for a pity party. Your son needs you present, and you need to just work on being the best mom you can be. And so, you know, that mm. movie was therapy for me, and not just a great experience, but it was very therapeutic.
3: How was the cast? Oh, I'm wondering. How was the cast? We How was had way too much that, fun. That? Amazing. I I can imagine.
5: Every it was imagine. it was amazing. You know, the one thing I love about working on any Tyler Perry production is that you just come in and it's like egos are dropped at the door, and you walk in yeah. and it's an immediate camaraderie and family feel. I mean, from day one, you know, me, Mia, Terry, Wendy, uh, William, Zulai, Amy. I, I mean, you know, w- you know, all of us just became like these this, these brothers and sisters to each other. And um, not only would we work on set, we would go out after set, you know, and we would run lines uh-huh. together. We'd eat dinner together, you know. So that's what I, you know, I love. But I walked away not only with, you know, doing a great movie, but also walked away with, you know, friendships that are still, you know, thriving to this day. Wow.
0: Amazing. That good.
1: Well, good evening, Coco Brown. This is Alicia Brown. How are you? <laughs>
5: How are you, Alicia Brown? We might be related, honey. My grandfather I know. <laughs> I hope so, because I'm going to have to come down to Georgia and get some of that cooking. So, hey. Come on, girl. Come on. <laughs> yeah. I'm in here in the moo honey, with the hair up in the bud. I'm up here looking like my name Honey Bee. <laughs> See,
1: I think we are related. I think we are from that
5: line right there.
1: We
0: related. Yeah. I'm going to have to look that up.
4: But, you
1: know, oh, yeah. in the media, we heard that you talked about your whirlwind marriage, then the divorce. Yeah, oh, God. And then yeah. the birth of your mm-hmm. first child at age 40.
0: 40. Yes. Yeah. I love yeah.
1: that. But in May 6, 2014, I read where you penned this very emotional and sincere letter to your son, Phoenix Zion. Yes. Yeah. And I love the quote. It said that you are the best thing that has ever come into my life. Yeah. And you also shared some promises and advice to your young son. Uh, can you tell yeah. us a little bit
5: about that letter? You know, when I wrote that letter, it was, you know, at the time when I had decided to go through with the divorce. And, you know, I didn't sign up to be a single mom. You know, I, you know, made a promise to my grandmother actually on her deathbed that I would be the one – grandchild that did it right that I would get married first and have a baby and I kept that promise to her but I never you know you know anticipated being divorced or a single mom you know my parents have been married almost 48 years you know and I come from a family uh, a very big family that you know people that have been married you know 30 40 and some 50 years and you know I didn't want to be a statistic and I Mm was thinking actually in my hotel room. I was in Vancouver shooting Psych eight weeks after having my child. It was it was, it was crazy. And wow. I remember I wrote this first letter to him, you know, on my blog, One uh, Funny Mama, that I wanted him to know that this is not what I signed up for, but I promise you that you will never feel like a fatherless child. You'll never feel uh-huh. like, you know, mommy puts you in a position to be a statistic or a stereotype. You will be none of those. Um, I've been extremely blessed that I have had some incredible men who, for whatever reason, loved me and loved my son so much that they have stepped in to fill the void that unfortunately, my ex husband is left. Unfortunately, he is not in the picture. And, you know, that's between him and his God. And I can honestly attest I was not a crazy baby mama. I didn't do anything to make him this way. It's just something between him and his, you know, God. But uh-huh. I've been very blessed to have incredible men who stepped up to the plate. And it's so cute because my son, every night when he prays, He prays for about ten daddies. It's insane. It's like he's like, you know, he'll be like, God bless mommy, and then he'll be like, God bless daddy Steady, daddy D, daddy Gary, daddy Trey, Trey Trey. Trey. (laughs) And he, in his mind, he doesn't realize you ain't supposed to have ten daddies. (laughs) (laughs) But.
3: It takes a village. It really him. takes a village. You know,
5: it, it really takes yeah. a village. It really does. And you know, I always have the—I have this joke that I say in my set that one day my son may be on a football field or at a recital or whatever, and they'll be like, "Phoenix, mm-hmm. where's your daddy?" And he's gonna be like, "They all up
4: there." <laughs> you know, and like, all up there. <laughs> <laughs> The
5: whole yeah, you know, <laughs> and they are gonna look at mama like, "What kind of life is you living?" I'm like, "Let me say, let me set the record straight, mama ain't the ratchet, you know." Oh wow, <laughs> men sleep in mommy's room, but oh <laughs> wow, mm. you know, let me set oh, the I record think. straight because you know the first thing wow. they are gonna think is mama out here and No, she's not, <laughs> but. I've been very blessed that my son just is not going to know what it's like to not have a father. He's got so many. And I've just been so blessed that these men have stepped up. And these are single men. These are young men. These are yes. men with families of their own. These are, for whatever reason, they were like, oh, he want to he wanna dip. He want to not be present. <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> Step and mm. we'll move right on in. So my son doesn't know what it's like not to have male role models and incredible male role models. He's got a plenty. Thank God for that. Mm.
0: Mm -hmm. Now,
1: what can you tell us about this marriage and divorce that you knew was destined to fail the minute you said, I do? How did Mr. Right
5: become Mr. Wrong? You know, I'm just going to keep it 100. Um, When I was engaged, I saw a lot of red flags. And a lot of times as women, we think that our love and our nurturing and our commitment to this man will fix it. And will change him, but he has to be willing to change himself. And Mm -hmm. I remember walking down the aisle, literally on my father's arm, saying the jealousy and the insecurity will stop now because he'll know I'm I'm all his. Mm -hmm. And that statement was pretty much a, a, a doom because it got worse. And you know, I'm and I, I wasn't a loose woman. I wasn't out there. You know, I wasn't completely committed to my marriage and making it work. But like I always, you know, say, and I, and I say with no hindrance, my husband had disease. We couldn't cure call. He won't work. And <laughs> that's not new. And, and I'm wow. sorry. I was raised by a black man who has been retired for almost ten years and still has calluses on his hands from how hard he mm. worked to provide for his family. I don't know what it's like for a man to live off a woman. I wasn't raised around that. I didn't see that. My father would have shoveled doo-doo before he let my mama take care of him. And Mm -hmm. so trying to make excuses for that, and I'm not bashing him. Please know I'm not bashing him because he's still Mm -hmm. my son's biological father. But I just could not. I gave it three years, and I realized, and it took my father who is very big on family, like I said, been married to my mom almost 48 years, to look me in my face and say, baby girl, he's not going to change as long as you provide this wonderful, wonderful rug for him to stand on. You got to pull this rug Uh out from under him. And he's either going to sink or swim. But as long as you're taking care of him the way you are, he is not going to do nothing different. And I'm a daddy's girl. So my daddy doesn't. My daddy is a man of few words, but when he speaks, you hear it. And when my father told me that, I knew I had to make a decision, not only for my sanity and for my self worth, but for the example that I wanted to set for my son. We got enough trifling people running around here. I was not about to raise another one. Uh-huh.
0: Mm-hmm.
5: So wow. I had to make. Yeah. A, I had to make a decision. Do I want to? walk away from this and hopefully raise a good man, or do I want to spend the rest of my life trying to deprogram what he's become from what he's seen? Hmm. Wow.
4: Wow. That was a
5: deep
4: one. Yeah. No. <laughs> so, you know, I, I made an <laughs> executive decision. <Wow. laughs> there you go. There you go. Well, okay, but, you know. It. go ahead. No, 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 go ahead. I'm sorry. But, no, I was just going
5: to just just want to introduce myself, but go ahead. No, no, I, I'm just saying that I think a lot of the, the biggest mistake that women make is that um, there's going to be flaws, and the thing is, if you've got to love someone past their flaws, if you can't, you can love somebody when they're the best. That's easy, but can you love them at their worst? But at some point, you have to ask yourself, is this the worst? Can be fixed? That wants to be fixed, or are you just um enabling this behavior mm-hmm. by staying mm-hmm. and by yeah. by nurturing a bad characteristic. Um women, you can't you can't fix a man through love. I I learned that. You can you can you can try your best, but if he's broken, honey, he got to want to fix himself. And that oh, yeah. goes both ways, oh, man. Both you things. go out here save, trying to make a hoe a housewife, honey. Let me tell you something. You got you got, your work cut out for you. <laughs> oh. yeah.
3: Yes, I can attack. Yeah. You're, yeah. Right. You're right. <laughs> right. You're right. You're right. I'm just saying. I'm just
5: saying, honey. Don't let me, don't let me get sweet. up in here and get a Yanya Banzan on y'all. I will be fixing live. Right. <laughs> All right. All right. All right. I like Just move, move on. I got my hair up in the bun. Exactly. I'm feeling real Shirley Brown right now. My mother is like my mother. <laughs> don't let it happen, honey. Don't let it happen. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm talking trial and error I ain't telling you nothing I ain't walked in, honey I'm talking my shoes Wow um, right.
4: Well, Coco, this is Janae K. how are you again? Hey, how you doing, girl? How you doing? <laughs> all right, all right You were preaching to us for a moment there
0: Yeah <laughs> I, I yeah. can get that <laughs> way sometimes, girl I can't <laughs> a in my DNA, honey
4: so, Somebody needs to hear that for sure Mm-hmm. Yeah. So switching gears yeah. a little bit, we heard that you have a new comedy CD coming out. Yes, it's which, already out. It's called Coca Brown One Funny
5: Mama. It's on iTunes.
4: Great. Okay.
0: Which, mm-hmm. of course,
4: having a comedy CD coming out is only fitting since that's your background, and that's what Tyler Perry customized your role of Jennifer for you. So yes. actually, how were you discovered by Tyler Perry?
5: You know, once again, it's like sometimes, you know, it's, it's the prime uh, cliche of when preparation meets opportunity. Oh. Um, people have been telling me for years, you know, when I was, you know, in L.A., you should get with Tyler Perry. You should get with Tyler Perry. Like I could just knock on his door and say, give me a job. But um, when the you know, opportunity presented itself, I had just changed to a new agency, and they really believed in me, and I'm still with them. Shout out to Jeff and Nicole. I, Freaking love my agents. They're incredible, and they, um, you know, I saw the audition for his new show, which was supposed to be a spinoff of of um, um, Why Did I Get Married, and I it was a time I was auditioning for the role that Jill Scott played in the movie. And I was like, "You know, I can play this this is this is my life, I can do this, you know, I've been betrayed, and you know whatever and i I get this i know- I get this role
0: okay. and
5: um, when I auditioned for the role, I came to Atlanta, I was actually here- performing at a comedy club, and it just so happened that they made my audition while I was here. And I auditioned for the role, and I did not know at the time that Tyler Perry had seen me perform at a comedy club in L.A. like a few months or so prior to that audition, and he had become a fan. So when he saw that I was auditioning for this role, basically it was, okay, I like her, can she act? Thank God that I had been preparing myself for all those years when I got to L.A. I didn't go to L.A. to be a comic. I was already a comic. I went to L.A. to be an actress. So when I got to L.A., I hit the ground in acting classes, commercial classes, voiceover classes, whatever I could take to hone the craft of what I went to L.A. for. So, you know, luckily, he was impressed with my acting skills. And um, it, it took a long process. It wasn't overnight. I mean, I auditioned, like, in January. I didn't get the call that I got the role till like, March. And um, when I got the call that I got the role, that's when I was informed that the role had been changed, and he had created this character, Jennifer, based on my stand-up.
4: Wow. Wow. That had to be an amazing feeling.
5: It was. was. I first met him, and for him to say, thank you for doing this, as if I was going to say no.
0: <laughs>
5: <You know? laughs> no, but it was, it was, and 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 he's been very supportive, and you know, and and I mean, he told me very first season, you know, Coca, I trust you're funny. If you, this is what you do for a living. So if you think you can make a line funnier, you do what you do. I trust you. So wow. that is still such a confidence in me that I get to have a lot of fun with Jennifer. And a lot of times, what you see on For Better or Worse is Coca. Improving and bringing that yeah. energy and that personality into Jennifer. And he allows me that liberty. And it, it's so refreshing because he's done that with all my castmates. A lot of times we'll be so off script, and that's what will end up on the show because it was so natural, it was so organic, because we all mesh and we get each other's comedic timing, we get each other's cadences, we know how each other works. I mean, it's it's been an incredible experience. I wouldn't trade it for anything in the world.
4: Wow. So, yeah. so as a successful actress and comedian, what advice do you have for upcoming actresses and comedians who are looking to become successful in the entertainment industry?
5: Well, the first thing you got to do is leave your kids at home, and what I mean by that is don't take nothing personal. <laughs> well, this all right. business, nah. this business is who. Talent is the least of your worries, but you want to be prepared. Don't think because you're funny at your job you can be funny on screen. It is a method to this madness. There are things that you need to know in terms of timing and not to look in the camera and things of that nature. I would tell anybody, Mm -hmm. hone your craft. Don't be above taking the independent movie that may just provide you a meal that day and not a paycheck. If you're serious, Mm -hmm. don't get in it for the money please don't get in it for the money because the ones making the big bucks, you know, it is a, it is a small little hole that you get to fall in if you're lucky enough. Some of us are just working actors. I am a working actor. I'll keep it 100. People tell me you're a celebrity. You're famous. No, I'm a working actor. I am blessed that my, preparation and me working on my Mm -hmm. craft has made me someone that gets a call and offered a role now. But it took years to get to Mm. that point. It took training. And don't take it personal. When you go on those auditions, you give it everything you've got. Be prepared. Be ready. But when you walk out, you leave it there. Because if you Mm -hmm. keep going over in your head and beating yourself up because you didn't get it, you're going to drive yourself nuts. Know that the minute you walk in that room before you open your mouth, 90% of the time, they already know if they want you or not. It's a bonus if you know the lines and you can act. It really is. And, you know, just go into it with the right intentions because you love performing. You love acting. You love doing stand-up. You love singing. Whatever it is, make sure it's your passion because – the money will come, but you're going to go through some crap that's going to test you, and you got to love it past that bullcrap. You really do. Right. And if you don't yeah. love it past you know that bullcrap, honey, you, you ain't going to make it. Ooh. You
3: just spoke to me. You just spoke to me. You just encouraged me, whether you know it or not, um, to know that Amen. even you had to go through that moment of probably feeling like, you know, is this for me? Should I give up? You know, like you said, you had to get you a backup degree.
0: Yeah. So, um, you
3: yeah. just encouraged me, Coco Brown. You just encouraged me. Thank oh, you. Come all right
0: on. now. I appreciate
5: that. Each one teach one, baby, but I'm using my degree. Yes, yeah, exactly. All right. <laughs> Each
0: one teach one, honey. But
3: I know when when um the trailer and everything for the single mom's club was coming out, you and I shared probably a similar moment. And I'll tell you about mine. In two thousand and nine I was nominated for a Virginia Fashion Award. Um, and I was okay. up against um, probably six or seven very talented makeup artists. And, you know, everybody okay. was saying that such and such was going to win, such and such was going to win. So, I, you know, I, I was prepared. Mm-hmm. I had my face because I knew the camera was going to be on me. I had my I'm happy for you face for when they showed her face mm-hmm. on the screen.
0: And, you know, it
3: got to me, and it, they named the winner, yeah. and it was me. So, I mean, right. those
0: right. those
3: five seconds that went
0: through yeah. me,
3: you know, the time between I realized they had called my name and not hers and the time I actually went mm-hmm. up to the podium to get my award, I was just over flooded mm-hmm. with a, a sea of emotions. And I know that when yeah. this, when the movie was coming out, you were driving down Hollywood Boulevard, minding your mind, minding your own business, mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. and bam, mm-hmm.
3: you see the billboard. You see the billboard yeah. of Single Moms Club with yeah. your face right in the middle of it. What did you feel like? What exactly. Did you feel?
5: I almost crashed, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> um, because I literally, I mean, I literally was driving down, and mind you, there was a different poster that we had saw that incorporated all these bottles sitting on wine glasses that didn't have any of our faces on it, and that was the initial mm-hmm. promotion that we saw for the movie. So when I saw the billboard with me. I mean, I'm literally driving down and I'm and I look up and I said, Oh no wait, okay, God, what? And I mean I literally am trying to pull over and I'm like on the far left lane trying to pull over to the right. And I pulled over and I got out my car and I just looked at it and I said, Oh my god I mean I was just like and it's so funny at that, that very moment was so crazy, I got a text from a friend that was in North Hollywood, and they were like, Yo, you want a billboard, yo? <laughs> 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 like, look, and all oh, I was saying was, Look at God, look at God, look at God. Because yeah, we never yeah. took that picture. That picture was put together by a great advertiser. Oh, because we, really? wow. we never took that picture. Never. We never took that picture. I'll give you a little secret that ain't my body. But anyway, oh, all right. <laughs> but the wonder of Photoshop, honey, the beauty of Photoshop, and how I realized that wasn't my body yeah. when I saw the hand and there were no nails on it. You will never catch Coco Brown without her stiletto nails. <laughs> so I was like, wait a minute. That ain't my hand. That ain't my hand. But, <laughs> but the fact that my face was, you know, on these billboards, and I had friends sending me pictures of the billboards in New York and Chicago Mm and Florida and Atlanta, and I was just like, wow, like, wow. Yeah. And it was just a a surreal, you know, experience because I had a list of goals when I came to L.A. in 2003, Mm -hmm. and I had to go and, you know, I was having a moment where I was feeling like, you know... Maybe I haven't accomplished everything. And I had to go through that old checklist, and I realized that checklist was almost done. And I was like, wow, you've been so steadfast on this destination that you almost missed all the wonderful scenery on the journey. And I realized that I've accomplished so much. And I really had mm-hmm. to have a moment where I had to dust my shoulder off and say, "You gone, girl. Mm-hmm. You go. You did mm-hmm. it." And I did it with integrity. I did it on my feet. I did it with 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 respect. I didn't I didn't do anything mm-hmm. to anyone. I didn't crap on anyone. I right. did this my way, and I I think God was pleased because, you know, mm-hmm. yeah, there are roles I don't get, but I never take it to heart as I possibly would have in the past because I have to go back and mm-hmm. look at my accomplishments and say, hey, you ain't doing too right. so bad on girl." Right. All
3: right,
5: It, it was right. a surreal right. moment. It was definitely a surreal moment. Right.
3: Alicia, who does that sound like? You're always talking about you're not looking at what you're doing oh. and all that stuff.
0: Oh, oh. oh okay.
3: Alicia's constantly <laughs> telling me that. She's constantly oh, really? telling me that. Yeah, because I'm it's so true. goal-focused that I, I forget the things that I'm actually accomplishing and the people that I'm actually, yeah. you know, reaching out to and helping. Yeah, so I have yeah. to work on that. So, again, again, Coco, you spoke to me. Thank you. I received it. Oh, good. But um,
0: hey, teach one. one. <laughs> we know that
3: you have a lot of things in the work. I, I'm going to let you tell us about it, including Ted, too. So what can your fans look forward to from you?
5: Well of course Ted Two comes out this Friday. I'm really excited about that. Um with Mark Wahlberg, yes. Seth McFarlane. Yes. And that was All amazing. Right. That was the first you know, outside of Single Mom's Club where it was, you know, Tyler, you know, gave me that role. I was I was offered that role by Seth McFarlane personally. I didn't audition for that role. I mean, he literally they literally called my agent and was like, We have this role in Ted Two, we want to give to Coca Brown. Let me know if she's interested. I'm like, Ha huh? like I'm gonna say no. <laughs> and you know, you know, when I went to shoot the movie, it was an amazing experience because Seth McFarlane is a comedic genius. I mean, Family Guy, Cleveland Show, let's go down the list, Ted. You know, and for him to look at me and not know what Tyler Perry told me five years ago and tell me, "Coco, I know that you've read the script. You just you're good at what you do." He said, "But Coco, you know, you can do what you want. I I trust you. Give me, give me your, give me your take on this." And I'm looking at him. You know, and he was letting me play. Yeah. He was letting me bring my vision to his script. And I'm like, holy money. Right. Like, you know, it, it was such an honor because he's a comedic genius. And, you know, some directors mm-hmm. are very adamant, you know, especially writers that are also directors, you say what's on that page because I take pride in my writing and you don't deviate from that. And to be told that I enjoy what you do so much, I trust you to bring your flavor to whatever I wrote. And it was, an you know, incredible mm, experience. I mean, that was amazing. Mark Wahlberg is, a, is an incredible gentleman. I mean, you know, that's coming out June 26th. I'm really excited about that. And just know that my character is so politically incorrect that I've already sent my donation over to the NAACP to keep my black heart intact.
0: Oh, but, wow. <laughs> wow.
5: Joy is a piece of work, honey, but you're going to love her but um you know and then um i'm just signed on to do a new movie called dying young i'm dying alone with uh, david zucker mm-hmm. that i'm going to be shooting in july i'm really excited about that and it's a dramatic role so Wonderful. people are going to see me in a different capacity ah. they're not going to see me being funny they're going to see me being dramatic because to be honest with you when when i think about my role models and the people that i look up to and whose careers i would like to pattern most of them are dramatic actors Oh, okay. My shero is Viola Davis. I freaking oh, love wow. Viola Davis. Like,
0: mm, I amazing. met her and
5: almost did a curtsy in front of her. Like, I met Kristen <laughs> Tyson and was like curtsying in front of this woman, like, hello, queen. Hello, my queen. Yes, <laughs> yes, she is. Yes, <laughs> she I, met, I met Angela Bassett and was like, oh my gosh, oh. I love you, you know. I mean, these are the women yeah. that I look up to and I admire, you know, and for me to be able to have a dramatic role and show people that Coco Brown is more than just being funny, I'm really excited yeah. about doing this role. Are you a little intimidated in,
3: in making that transition to to
0: dramatic? I
5: you know, I'm not because the one thing I've learned from incredible acting coaches and teachers I've had is that when mm. you're using when you're doing dramatic roles, you really have to pull from a place of personal pain. And honey, I've got the plenty. So I'm ready to purge. All I'm right.
3: looking forward to purging all right. on screen.
5: Get it. Okay. Oh.
3: So we're gonna definitely we're gonna add you to our webpage and encourage listeners to go out that opening weekend and support Ted Two when it comes out please. this weekend and all yes. of your other ventures, we're definitely gonna do that. Um, how can our, the yes. listeners and your fans follow you? Are you on social media? I know you have a blog online. Give us the information. Yes.
5: Um, I have a blog on WordPress.com, and it's called One Funny Mama. Uh, and it's O-N-E, funny, and mama is M-O-M-M-A. That's also um, my uh, call on Instagram, which is Coca Brown. It's very long, but it's C-O-C-O-A, brown, one funny mama. And just know it's all spelled out, and Mama's M-O-M-M-A. Um, Also, please add the A to my name, because if you don't, you will get a porn star, and that's so not (sighs) me. Oh, oh You know what? I did. I, I, I learned did. that the oh, hard way. This. I learned that the hard <laughs> way. I did. I got I a call. Did, yeah. I, got, I did. I got a call one day for one of her jobs, and I was like, uh, they were like, can you do the gig for $7,500? i am like, sure. They said, we'll give you 2000 for anal. I said, you got the wrong person. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> right uh, I think I the wrong Coca-Brown. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh, wow. <laughs> Oh,
2: wow. but, uh, yeah, 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 so they can find me on Twitter at Coca
5: Brown twenty two uh Coca Brown twenty two on Twitter. They can find me on okay. Snapchat under one funny mama. They can find mm. me on Periscope under one funny mama. I'm all over the place. But if you Google me, Coca Brown, C O C O A Brown, I'm the first thing that comes up, baby, so you'll be able to find me. All right.
3: That's all amazing. Right. Well my final question to you is after all is said and and done. What do you most want people to think of when they hear the name Coco Brown?
5: I hope they hear real. I hope they feel real and they feel touchable that mm-hmm. I'm just a girl from Newport News, Virginia, that yeah. out in faith. You know, and I didn't want to be a comic or an actress. I mean, I grew up very traditionally. I was supposed to go to college, get a degree, meet a man, get married, have some babies, call it a life. And I have done things that I never thought fashionable, and I want people to look at me, and I hope they see hope that anything is possible. Because, like I said, mm-hmm. I was just a little girl from Newport News, Virginia, and um, I've, I've, I've achieved the American dream. You know, right now the only thing missing from my trifecta is a husband because I have a wonderful Mm -hmm. child. I have homes on the East Coast and the West Coast. I got money in the bank. I love God. He loves me, honey. And if I can just find me a man to complete that, I will have the trifecta. (laughs)
2: Hallelujah. I know.
5: I know
3: that's right. (laughs) Yes. Well, wow. Coco, we want to thank you so much.
5: Anything's possible. Thank you for yeah. having me, darling. Thank you for having me. You're,
3: Much love. You're welcome. I want to give a, home. a Yes, I'm in Virginia Beach, and we have, um, okay, I think, uh, right. Alicia's I think in, Hampton. in Hampton. And he keeps
0: saying yeah, singing. Yeah, she's, I'm in gonna the West, in she's on in the in West, West Coast. Coast. <laughs> she's on the West Coast.
3: You got to go through the toll. I ain't on the West her. Coast,
0: whatever. Ain't <laughs> oh, nobody right. got time <laughs> for that. I want to give
3: a special shout-out. To your publicist, Stephen, and mine, Nikki Curry, for putting this together. Um, yeah. Two amazing yes. people making love things happen. Um, yes,
0: appreciate yes. it.
3: I mean, I want to, again, just thank you for coming on the show. Welcome back thank any you other for time you me. have anything going on. And we would love yes. to have you come on and be a co host. A co host.
0: Yeah, yes. oh, I would love to. Come on.
3: Okay, i to hold you till
5: you get on air.
0: Amen.
5: Hey, yes, honey, you call, perfect. I'm coming. Oh, oh, y'all right. are home. So anytime, home summons, honey, I'm coming. Oh, all
0: right, Amazing.
5: wonderful.
3: All right, then. But well, yeah. thank you again so much, and get back to cooking thank your you food. So much. I'm just think about it. You're welcome. All all have right. a good evening. I got a
5: bunch of I got a bunch of full men looking at me like you gonna eat. <laughs> <laughs> all right, right. Get back get to going food. Get back good, good food, you know. All right. All and right. Happy fathers say to all the incredible fathers out there, God bless you. Yes. God
3: good bless God. you.
4: God.
3: Right. Wonderful. She is amazing. I love
4: her. You know how us Browns do. You know how us do. She done claimed her as a relative.
3: Oh, my
4: God. (laughs) You what? See? (laughs) Well, guys, we need to take a quick commercial break. But for you all out there listening, please, coming up, we have two doctors in the studio who are going to talk to us about Holly Amore, (laughs) multi-partner relationships. We also want to remind you that the phone lines are open, so please feel free to call in and ask your questions at one seven one three nine five five zero seven nine three 955 and press 1. You're listening to Let's Face It. Today in
2: school I learned a lot. In chemistry, I learned that no one likes me. In English, I learned that I'm disgusting. And in physics, I learned that I'm a loser. Today in school, I learned that I'm ugly and useless. And in gym, I learned that I'm pathetic and a joke. In history, I learned that I'm trash. Today in school, I learned that I have no friends. In English, I learned that I make people sick. And at lunch, I learned that I sit on my own because I smell In chemistry, I learned that no one... In biology, I learned that I'm fat and stupid. And in math, I learned that I'm trash. The only thing I didn't learn in school today... The only thing I didn't learn today... The only thing I didn't learn... is why no one ever helps.
7: Kids witness bullying every day. They want to help, but they don't know how. Teach them how to stop bullying and be more than a bystander at stopbullying.gov, a message from the Ad Council. Hey, y'all. Cedric the Entertainer here with Niecy Nash, taking a break from shooting The Soul Man to introduce you to Patience. Hi. Patience is a patient at St. Jude Children's Research Hospital.
1: Families never receive a bill from St. Jude for anything because all
2: a family should worry about is helping their child live.
7: St. Jude won't give up until they end childhood cancer, sickle cell, and other deadly diseases.
2: Because of you, there is St. Jude.
7: Learn more at stjude.org.
1: Welcome back to Let's Face It. Tonight's show is on the topic of polyamory or multiple relationships, multiple partner relationships. Dr. Deborah Annapol is known as an explorer of the spaces where love, sex, spirit, and sustainability meet. She is also recognized as the moving force behind the modern polyamory movement, which was launched with the 1992 publication of her book, Love without limits. Please help us welcome to the show Dr. Deborah Annapole. And Dr. Annapole, how are you this evening? Uh, very good, thank you. Happy to be with you. Well, we're glad to have you. Thank you, you so here.
3: much. Yes, we are.
1: Welcome. You know, as we were, were discussing with different friends the show topic for the week, people just, you know, had so many different opinions, you know, what is polyamory? A lot of people got confused with polygamy and there's so many different ways when you hear that word that people translate that. So from your experience and of course your expert opinion, what is polyamory by definition and what does a polyamorous relationship
0: look like?
2: That's a lot question than it might sound like at first. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Pretty much, uh, you ask 10 people, you're going to get 10 different opinions.
0: Yes. Mm.
2: Uh, So, I really like to talk about polyamory, which literally is many loves. It's a made-up word. It replaced responsible non-monogamy, which was a lot less sexy, but uh, really more descriptive. (laughs) And... I don't even really think it's about the number of partners. I think sure. it's about what happens when you take love outside the box, you take away the what you've been taught, what you've been conditioned, relationships should look like, and then allow what happens to happen within a context of honesty. yeah, everybody knows what's going on, everybody agrees to it um people have been having secret affairs forever and ever, mm-hmm. and that's not polyamory. But pretty much any kind of relationship that is chosen, not not forced on you, but chosen by everyone involved, I would call that polyamory. But usually what happens when people are choosing is it doesn't look like one partner for your whole life. Okay. Uh, a few people are doing that, but it's it's really quite rare these days to have one partner your entire life. Uh, one sexual partner, uh, almost never. Even one marriage is, is unusual. And what a lot of people have been doing instead is serial monogamy. So, you know, one partner for a few years, maybe... 10, maybe 20, maybe 6 months, whatever, one partner at a time, then get rid of that partner and get another one.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, that used to be
2: called serial polygamy. Uh, and then in the 60s, it was realized that yeah, uh, they didn't want to call that polygamy because everybody was doing it. So they called it serial monogamy instead. And mm-hmm. and by the way, polygamy, although it really just means marriage with more than one person, everybody has the idea when they think of polygamy, they think of the Mormons, or they think of uh, uh, Muslims who are allowed to have, the men are allowed to have four wives. The, the Mormons, the men are allowed to have multiple wives, but not the mm-hmm. other way around. Mm-hmm. So sometimes right. I say polyamory is equal rights for women. Oh um, yeah. Women as well as men can have more than one partner. Now what that looks like it could look a whole lot of different ways. This is what happens when we start uh designing our own relationships and thinking outside the box is that we can get very creative and It can look a lot of different ways, but probably the most common thing is what's called open relationship or open marriage, because that's what people Mm -hmm. are used to, Yeah, one so-called primary partner, and then a whole bunch of different uh, agreements, rules, um, styles of including other people in. So it could look a lot of different ways as long as everyone knows what's going on and they agree to it. But there are other mm-hmm. forms of memory. You can have group marriage where several people are all basically married to each other, living under one roof. Um, yeah, in a committed relationship. And there's also many people who are single consider themselves polyamorous because they have several girlfriends or boyfriends. Uh. And they're okay. not just dating. They're they're intending to stay single and they're intending wow. to have several long term uh relationships that are you know, they they've got some some uh some uh, longevity to them but they're not planning to get married. Uh-huh. Wow, finger okay. poly. Right.
0: So finger Dr. Anna
2: uh, this is Janae Kaye. How are you this evening? Uh, I'm sorry, I didn't hear you.
4: Say that again? I'm sorry, this is Janae Kaye. How are you? I'm good. Good. My question for you, why is polyamory gaining such popularity? And could you give us a brief history of the popularity
2: of polyamory over the years? Oh, that's a really good question. I love that question because, uh, for one thing, I've been asking myself, why is polyamory getting so popular all of a sudden? Because in the 80s, when I started uh, getting involved with this whole lifestyle, um, it was very unpopular. And it was so unpopular that while the the talk shows loved it, there was kind of an unofficial ban on mentioning it in any of the print media. Well, there was no word of polyamory. But any story that had to do with multiple partners, any books about multiple partners, it was all unmentionable in the print media. And when I would go on these talk shows in the uh, 80s and the the 90s, there would be a lot of hostility from the audience, and sometimes the host would tell me privately afterwards that, yeah, he really didn't think polyamory was a bad idea, but they had to do it this way or they'd lose their sponsors. So. Oh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it there was a very different attitude than there is now where really all the mainstream media are kind of jumping on the bandwagon and many celebrities are announcing their open marriages and right. right.
0: It's just,
2: it kind of seems like it's being encouraged really. And um hmm. there's a lot of um uh, again, relabeling going on. Like now the the marriage and family counselors want to call it the new monogamy instead of polyamory. And what's the new monogamy? That means it's an open marriage. <laughs> that right. Right,
1: oh, right. Okay.
0: Exactly. Okay. exactly. Well, you
1: know, when I talked to friends about tonight's show, and you did say earlier about this is more of like an equal right for women, uh, but a lot of my friends were just, you know, They saw this as something that their sex-crazy boyfriend or lover would suggest so he could have his cake and eat it too, so to speak. Um, Is it true that men want polyamory while women more or less want monogamy?
2: Uh, You know, that's one of the myths that, that persists. And whatever truth there is in it is only because men have always really kind of been encouraged and and patted on the back for having multiple partners, where women have been really very severely judged and punished. And so I think even though things have become more equal in that way, a lot of particularly older women who grew up in a time when it was very shameful for women to
0: mm-hmm.
2: want to have sex at all, let alone with more than one person. Um, yeah, women have been pretty well trained in the past not to go there. But the fact is that once uh, women get past that conditioning, I think women actually are more comfortable with polyamory than men are. The men have oh. wouldn't it be great to have a couple of women? But most men are not really equipped to deal with more than one woman on an ongoing basis. Yeah, they don't want to accept that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You're true. You're true. You're telling the truth. tell you will. You're telling (laughs) telling
3: the truth. Just as we were saying earlier in the intro, um, the, the question was posed to each of us, would we consider a polyamorous relationship? And I said... Ideally, in my mind, I thought I could, but I was actually faced with the the option to do that, and I punked out because I, I like you said, I couldn't deal with it. So I, I agree with that. But my question for you is, with this becoming more acceptable or more in, in in society now, what are the biggest challenges that that people face with um polyamorous relationships?
2: Well, there's two main challenges. One of them mm-hmm. is jealousy,
0: mm-hmm. and
2: yeah, pretty much everybody has to confront jealousy. Even people choosing monogamy right. get jealous, but they can kind of avoid it, uh, or they can try to avoid it a lot more easily. If If your partner's got another lover, you kind of have to... Be willing to deal with your jealousy. So that's one. And the other one is just time. And most people are so busy working, they're raising their kids, they have hobbies. How do you find time to fit in two, let alone three or four, relationships? And, right. and even if you right, do have time, <laughs> you've got to be careful with your appointment book. Yeah. Right.
1: I can see that. right, well, um, yeah. Dr. Annapol, you know you gave so much good information, and certainly, um, we talked about the fact that you did have your nineteen ninety two publication, and
2: yeah. there's
1: also something else that was mentioned um about the pelvic uh movement um that we did bring up. Could you tell our listeners how they can follow you and give us just some brief information about those two movements,
2: yeah. Well, the the pelvic heart integration, I wouldn't really call that a movement, but it's it's a technology, it's a personal growth technology that really helps people in a very um, immediate and uh, bodily sense get over the conditioning or the trauma that so many people have that gets in the way of enjoying sex and relationships. So um, I found that if you try to practice polyamory without dealing with your sex and relationship issues, you're just in double trouble. And so uh, whether or not people want to be polyamorous, it's a good idea to kind of clean up your act. And you can find out more about uh, the pelvic heart integration work at PelvicHeart.com. And you can find out more about polyamory and relationship and sexuality at lovewithoutlimits.com. And there's a lot of good information on both sites and um, also my contact information. Awesome. So we definitely will have that available to the listeners on our website. On the
3: website, Mm yes.
0: Yes.
1: But we want to thank you for just coming on and, and just clarifying it because it was a topic that so many people um we have our ideas but we're not quite sure what it meant and you just beautifully uh just made that so crystal clear. Um so we look mm-hmm. forward to following you. We look forward to being able to access further information and possibly even having you come back on the show.
4: Okay. Well, thank you so thank much. You. Thank you.
0: Thank and you. Have, have a, a
1: good, good
4: evening tonight. Oh, yeah. Yes. Well, See, because of my point, Alicia, what I said earlier, too much going on, not enough time <laughs> I have two
1: or three different here Well, well, I I just tell you this: from our schedules going on, I don't want to have to schedule that. I don't need one more thing to schedule, and if I do, it's not <laughs> going to be that. So, on that nice note, <laughs> we are going to take a quick commercial break. But when we be back, when we come back, when we return. We're going to have Dr. Chef come on. And, you know, she has done some amazing work. Um, There's a book Mm -hmm. called The Polyamorous Next Door. And then we want to talk about some of the issues and things with children. So stay tuned to Let's Face It. It's another beautiful Sunday, and if you're listening to this, you must be listening to Let's Face It with Will Strayhorn and Friends. This is your host, Alicia Brown, and on behalf of our wonderful team, I would like to thank you. Thank you for continuing to listen. Thank you for your feedback on our social media pages, and thank you for your continued support. We are so excited about what waits in store. In season two, which premieres August twenty fifteen. We cannot do it without your continued support. So if you have a brand, a vision, a business, we're inviting you to grow with us. Contact me at Alicia at Let's Radio dot com. That's Alicia A-L-E-S-H-A. At Let's Radio dot we have customized packages just for you, and I would love to share more information with you about that. Until then, continue to listen to us on the go at iTunes, Tuned In, Stitcher, or you can also listen to these and past episodes at letsfaceitradio.com. Again, continue to tune in and just wait for what we have in store for season two. And we're back to Let's Face It. Um as I said before we went to commercial, Doctor Elizabeth Sheff is the author of The Polyamorous Next Door, which is a book she wrote based on her extensive research on the topic, as well as a blog that's featured on psychology today. Um, So if you would help me, welcome to the show, Dr. Elizabeth Schaaf.
8: Thanks so much for having me. I'm thrilled to be here.
1: Well, thank you so much. Yeah,
8: welcome to the show. Welcome to the show. Yeah.
1: You know, we... We had some confusion, you know, as we were researching this topic and discussing it with different friends, and just the whole concept of having multiple relationships um so I really would like you to share with us some of the other aspects of polyamory that people don't really think about beyond just the sex or what they associate it with um, You know what sort of is the the things that people are not thinking about with polyamory?
8: Well, Dr. Annapole was talking about some of the challenges people face in terms of jealousy and time. And I think both of those are important. I also take a kind of legal approach to polyamory. I'm an expert witness. So I end up expert witnessing for or testifying in cases of either divorce or when other people are suing for custody of children Mm. from polyamorous families. So I would add to what Dr. Annapole said, I would add stigma, which is a very sociological word. I'm a sociologist by training. And stigma is when you have some kind of characteristic that other people look down on Mm. And a lot of people look down on polyamorists for being, I guess, what they consider slutty or immoral. Mm
0: -hmm. But while they
8: don't have the kind of moral framework that comes with a kind of religious monogamy, they do have an ethical framework that they use and that they teach to their children That's all about honesty and authenticity and following through with facing yourself, you know, being authentic Uh and telling other people the truth and being willing to negotiate. If not everyone wants the same thing, you try to find something that works for multiple people or maybe... Not have that many people all in that same relationship. Polyamory takes a lot mm-hmm. of negotiation and communication.
1: And like you said, I don't think that's what people think of that relationship. It's more like, oh, it's just a bunch of people and everybody's just having a bunch of sex. And, you know, there's not a real relationship there.
8: There's actually a lot more talking than sex in most polyamorous relationships. Because there's so much to talk about. How do you feel? What kind of sexually transmitted infections do you have? How are we going to keep each other from getting them? Things like that. So there's plenty to talk about, and it often ends up with um, much more talking than sex. I think if people are looking for a primarily sexually-based open relationship, that Mm -hmm. swinging works much better That way, there's no expectation of ongoing emotional intimacy in swinging, so if you want to have just lots of sex without having to talk about it that much, I mean, a lot of people talk about swinging while they're setting it up, but it often doesn't take kind of as much care and feeding as polyamory does.
0: Well, well, Dr.
4: Sharp, this is Janae K. How are you?
8: I'm doing great, and I'm thrilled to be here. Thanks so much for having me.
4: Great. glad to to have
6: you.
8: Absolutely. You can call me Eli, too. Almost everyone does. Oh, okay,
4: Eli. Eli. I like that.
0: I like that name. Yeah.
4: So, Eli, could you tell us how growing up in a polyamorous family affects children?
8: I will, and I have to say that because of the people who responded to my research and, you know, the way I was able to find them. And I go into that in much greater detail in the book. But let me just say that my sample is kind of optimistic, meaning that I spoke with people who stuck with polyamory over the long term. So the children that I spoke to were from those families that, for whom polyamory worked as a long-term choice. So I do think that um, there are other families that polyamory maybe doesn't work as well for, which leads me to say that polyamory is really not for everyone. Um, Mm -hmm. So that said, um, I would say the kids in my research um, were doing fabulous, great, really self-confident, Lots of resources, not only personal resources and emotional resources themselves, but lots of support they can draw on from the multiple adults in their lives. Mm -hmm. And because so many of the polyamorists who participate in research are white and middle class and very highly educated, It's like these kids are kind of born on third base already. It's not hard to be doing great when you've got Mm -hmm. three parents with PhDs. You know, it's Mm -hmm. easier if you have white privilege and class privilege. You know, Mm -hmm. you're going to be doing great. And then add in all this extra attention. These kids are doing wonderfully really far better. I had anticipated more problems, actually, when I started speaking to them. And in fact, I definitely thought they would tell me that the worst thing about being in a polyamorous family was that they would get close to their parents' partners, and then when the parents broke up with that partner, the kids would miss them. Like the partner... Would leave. And that does happen sometimes, but not nearly as much as I had anticipated because parents tend to be really careful about introducing new partners. So if they're not sure somebody's going to stick around, they don't even introduce them to the kids. Much like divorced parents who are dating don't introduce every single person to the kids they wait and make sure it's somebody who's going to stick around. So mm-hmm. the kids said that what sucks the most about being in a polyamorous family, too much supervision. They can't get away with anything. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> <laughs> of
0: course now, I can they see that. say that. <laughs> I can see that.
8: Yeah. See, like, so they don't question. like
1: that. I had a question for you. You mentioned something very interesting. Because number one, certain people would think that it wouldn't be highly educated Ph.D. folks that would have this type of lifestyle. And then you also brought the ethnicity issue in it. So based on your research, um, typically do you have the demographics for for the um, races or the ethnicity as far as um, in polyamory?
8: You know, I don't have numbers. Because Mm -hmm. the kind of research I did is called ethnography, which is qualitative research, not quantitative research in terms of Mm. having a giant sample of people that you count. So I had Mm -hmm. 133 respondents, which is pretty big for a qualitative study. However, I wondered from my own study, if everyone I was talking to, or not every single person, but the vast majority, if I was getting so many white people because I am white myself, or Mm -hmm. if it was the area. So I went to the San Francisco Bay Area, which has a giant polyamorous community and a very diverse population, and found mostly white, highly educated people doing polyamory there as well. So then I did a meta-analysis of everyone else's research on polyamory and BDSM, which is something that a lot of polyamorists do. So I looked at the intersection of those two. Everyone else's research, it was an exhaustive study of all the research done to the end of 2011 because the study was published in 2012. And I found that everyone else was finding also worldwide the people who identify as polyamorous are white, highly oh educated, upper, upper middle class people.
0: Hmm. I'm not saying
8: those are the only people having multiple partner relationships, though. I think other people are having open relationships and maybe either not calling them polyamory or don't feel safe enough to identify as such and participate in research about it, because for being polyamorous, you can lose your job, you can lose your housing, you can Mm. lose your kids, you can lose friends and family. I mean, it really can push people's buttons. So it can be dangerous to come out as poly.
3: Hmm. So that, That brings me almost to my next question. So the title of your book and blog is The Polyamorous Next Door. So I was wondering, what kinds of legal issues do polyamorous face? I know you mentioned earlier that you also do things when it comes to custody issues. But what are some other legal issues?
8: I would say custody is one of the biggest. Other legal issues Mm -hmm. are, um, for instance, adultery laws. Some states have laws that say if you are married, you cannot have sex with anyone else and generally oh, yeah. those are not enforced but
0: mm-hmm. they can
8: be selectively enforced as kind of a political weapon against polyamorists um so adultery laws and not every single state has adultery laws but i live in atlanta and georgia definitely does and the south in general has tends to have more kind of restrictive sexual laws so yeah, adultery is one thing. thing. Um, another thing that is often selectively used to prosecute mostly immigrants, but sometimes polyamorists, are various residential laws that say you can't have, depending on the city or the locale, more than two or three, sometimes four unrelated people sharing the same household, so they have to mm. either be married with children, or like sisters and brothers, or, you know, like a mom and her kid and then her mother, you know, a multi-generational family, that's okay. But unrelated Mm -hmm. people with no legal relationship, lots of different places restrict how many people can live together. But again, only enforce it selectively. Primarily against immigrants who mm-hmm. try to wow. save money by living together, but sometimes against um, polyamorists and occasionally against fraternities or sororities.
0: Really?
3: Wow. Um, in my opening, I was telling people that I, again, considered the idea of, of having that type of relationship, but last week our show was about love addiction and I ex- expressed that indeed I was addicted to love. I'm a hopeless romantic. I like that whole um, feeling that I get when I'm in love, but on the other end, I was considering a polyamorous relationship. Do you find or have you found that um, polyamorous people want to get married or they're against the whole marriage thing?
8: In you know, I would say on a whole, they're, they're less interested in marriage or legalized marriage, m- plural marriage, um, okay. than, for instance, gay people tend to be in legalized same-sex marriage. In part, mm-hmm. I think, because lots of polyamorists can get married in dyads or two-person relationships so they're not mm-hmm. excluded from marriage as completely as people in okay. same-sex marriages have been until fairly recently some polyamorists are legally married and really and find that very important and kind of a defining feature of their primary partnership others look down on it as kind of a corrupt institution in addition to being White and highly educated, another element that a lot of polyamorists share is being kind of a rule, not necessarily a rule breaker, but someone willing to question the rules and the status quo and not just necessarily saying, oh, this is how everyone has always done it, so that's how I'm going to do it too. They tend Uh-oh. to think, well, how, how do I feel like doing it? So mm. that often leads to questioning... All sorts of things, including legal marriage. Okay. But some of them love it. And some of them, a very few of them, do want plural marriage or multiple partner marriage, but it's not high on the community's agenda, I would say. Right.
1: You know, one thing I want to get your personal opinion on Um, often America is viewed as not being as sexually open as other cultures. Um, Do you believe that the average relationship can handle polyamory? You know, what, what, what type of people should consider this lifestyle and what type of people should not?
8: I would say no. The average relationship probably can't handle polyamory. It's certainly not for everyone. In fact, I would say it's only for a rather minority of people. If you... To use kind of a skiing analogy, polyamory is the black diamond of non-monogamy. It's the most difficult, the most demanding. I would say a lot more people would probably do better with more kind of less completely open relationships. I think swinging works for way more people than polyamory because it's less emotionally demanding. I think... Uh kind of your average person wants multiple partners themselves and wants to have kind of sexual exploration and variety but doesn't necessarily want someone they love having sex with other people. So if people could probably design it themselves, everyone would have a relationship that's open for them but closed for their partners.
4: Right. And... Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. That's not how polyamory yeah, like
8: works. <laughs> yeah, Why not? That's, I, mean, Why not? It's kind of, I think that it's kind of human nature to want that because it's, yeah. you're, you're interested in sex, you're interested in <laughs> variety, but once you're in love with someone, it can feel very threatening if they start having some hanky-panky <laughs> and not only that, but serious <laughs> emotional connection.
0: Oh god. With other so that's people. not polyamory.
8: <laughs> that that's not polyamory at all. That's no, not okay. when you say, I get other lovers, honey, but you don't. That's not polyamory. Okay. Definitely. Wow. Well what that's do they a call fa- that? that's, a fan- <laughs> that's a fantasy that's a fantasy. That's a fantasy. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's
0: right.
8: um yeah. <laughs> in when men do it it's called polygyny or one man with multiple partners. Ooh. And that's mm-hmm. actually far more common across history and across, you know, different cultures, polygyny, Mm -hmm. historically and worldwide, is way more common than monogamy. When women do it, one woman with multiple husbands, that's called polyandry, and that's super rare. Historically and cross-culturally, it hardly ever happens. Extremely rare. But polygyny one man with a harem of women, that's really common. Wow.
4: Okay. So, so, Eli, <laughs> according to your blog, you stated that polyamory wasn't for you. So what
8: were some of yeah. your
4: experiences, and how did you come to that decision?
8: Um, well, I accidentally kind of fell in love with this man who um, told me on our first date that he never wanted to be monogamous and he never wanted to get married. And I was yeah. like, oh, whatever, freak, you know, like, <laughs> I don't care because you're, you know, he was just going to be a passing boy toy for me until I got back to real relationships with women. Like I wasn't taking him seriously at all. Then when I realized I was in love with him, I was like, Oh, what do you mean? You don't want to be monogamous. What do you mean? You don't want to get married? Mm-hmm. I don't understand. So we talked about it for a long time, which is not uncommon for people who are considering polyamory. It entails a lot of communication. Um, As an intellectual, I intellectualized things that frighten me, and I was terrified, completely freaked out. So I was like, all right, if I can figure this out, if I can study it, then it won't be so threatening. Well, that was the wrong move. Completely. It stayed just as threatening. In fact, now I'm divorced. Um, So I would say for me, polyamory was fairly disastrous. But I would say for a minority of people who are polyamorous by sexual orientation, like it's a deeply held orientation for them, polyamory is much, much better than monogamy Um, for someone who is polyamorous by sexual orientation trying to be monogamous is like wearing shoes that are three sizes too small constantly you know you can maybe squeeze them on your feet but you're going to be in constant pain and that's very much how the polyamorous describe trying to force themselves to be monogamous wow
4: well, Ima, I just want to take hmm. the time to thank you so much for all this great information. Yeah.
8: My thank pleasure. To
4: show. And so could you let our listeners know how they can follow you or get more information?
8: Yes, I have a website, elizabethchef.com. That's Elizabeth spelled with an S instead of a Z, and chef spelled S-H-E-F-F. You can also find me on the Psychology Today website. I blog under The Polyamorous Next Door. And my second book is coming out this fall called Stories from the Polycule. It's an edited volume written by polyamorists. Um, Everything from people just kind of trying to figure out how to begin a polyamorous relationship to... People who've been in them for 25 years to little kids who are just growing up, five year olds to like 18 year olds looking back at growing up in polyamorous families. So it's people who from these families telling their own stories. Wow.
4: Wow. Sounds good. Well, thanks so much again. Thank you so much much for this opportunity.
8: I really enjoyed speaking with you. What a fun show.
4: Yes, yeah, you'll you. have to Hope come back. Come
8: back. Yes, Thank you definitely. so much.
4: I'd love to. Awesome.
8: Wonderful. Have a good
3: evening.
4: You too. Thanks. Good night. Bye bye. Good night.
0: Wow, that was a
3: great show. I got a lot of information. A lot of yes. good information.
0: Of course. Yes. Have you yeah. changed your mind?
3: Janae, have you changed <laughs> your mind? Are you for it now?
0: you got gotten good information?
3: <laughs> Absolutely not. What Absolutely about you, not. Alicia? I never voted.
0: Remember. What about you? I oh, never you voted. never voted. We never voted. Oh, to she was well, that. It's all gone. Yes, all gone.
3: Alicia, what is your answer? Now that you now <laughs> you can My make an informed <laughs> decision. You can. Would you partake a in a polyamorous relationship? Now that you are informed, this you asked. know the pros and you know the cons. This, he is?
1: asked a church girl on a Sunday oh God. night. they the worst
3: kind. they the worst
0: kind. I'm
1: going to say this, and this, you know, probably will shock you. Mm. Oh, no, it won't shock Will. It I won't shock it. me at
0: all. Shut so, mm-hmm. up. I believe
1: that a lot of things, in theory, sound good. But uh-huh. I'm like you, Janae. There's no way. Well, both of you said it. I, I couldn't see it. I couldn't see You're being with someone you love, and then Mm -hmm. you have that person be with someone. I I can't, you know, like she said, you know, Mm Polly Amory is not. That one person gets to have other people, but you got to be faithful. You don't get to have anybody. I couldn't see it any other way. I I understand that. That That makes perfect
3: sense (laughs) to me. A language that oh. works in my favor. That makes perfect sense to me. I don't understand why I'm you guys wish you don't will. get that. I'm
1: with you will. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to have to have yeah, a new name to it and just come out with our book. Yeah. Like, this wasn't exactly. here. <laughs> we start a new move. Right. <laughs> yeah,
4: really.
1: <laughs> pray for us You'll exactly. be the one to go to church and pray for us so that we can get right. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: it's a good theory, but I don't think um, it will work in practicality. It's just not going to happen.
3: Sorry. Right. Well. Yes. Good show. What do we have planned next week, Alicia? Well,
1: as y'all know, next week is our season ender. Um, And I don't know about you guys, but when you heard the case of Josh Duggar, um, by his own admittance, he had molested children, including two Mm -hmm. of his sisters. But I think what, for me, was the outrage with that was his parents' response. And the sisters, she molested their response. And it just got me to thinking, you know, if your parents aren't protecting you in these situations, mm-hmm. if sometimes the community is ignoring things about you and not protecting you in these situations, who will protect our children? So that is mm-hmm. the topic of next week's show. Um, that is what we're Great ending the season with. Who will protect our children, you know, we're seeing things on the news every day. I think around this area, a woman was driving in the car, and they found the remains of her son. And I think that mm. son had not been heard from or or seen for eleven years. And it's just more oh, wow. and more crazy stories about our children. But next week, Phyllis mm. T. Forrest. She is a native of Detroit, Michigan. She is also the author of the book Through a Child's Eyes. Her objective is to educate and bring awareness to our society about sexual predators that mothers may unintentionally bring into their lives. And her book, what she's doing is talking about she's taking you inside her 14-year nightmare. So you can clearly Mm. understand what a predator did to her and how he was able to do it. And I warn you, this is not a story of a downward spiral, of a little girl. and you know how they always say they were broken, they were homeless, they are drug addicted from the abuse. But what she has written is a story of a woman that when the smoke cleared, she realized that she had been raised by a sexual predator. So she's going to use the knowledge from her experience, tell you how the predator trapped the victims, um, even right down to how he stalked her mother. It's something that appeared to just be an innocent meeting or whatever, um, seemed to Mm -hmm. be enticing, but it was a strategy. So I'm really looking forward to the information she's going to bring to us. And we also will try to have a guest expert as well tell us what resources are available for our children and their protection.
3: Yeah, That's And again, that is our season finale So we've had people Who have come on throughout the show Who said they're going to call in Just to wish us good luck and congratulations
0: Yay. So we may have
3: some surprises next week as well But okay. once again, a great show I learned a lot <laughs> Thanks for coming I know, and we need host. to
1: know everything we learn. <laughs> <laughs> Myself included Let me get
3: you I'm okay. I'm talking about me. I won't talk about
1: you this time. But yeah, you too. <laughs>
4: All right.
3: Well, we hope you that you have a blessed week. I'm your host, Will Strayhorn.
4: I'm Danae Kaye. And I'm
1: Alicia
2: Brown. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Let's Face It with Will Strayhorn and friends. We ask that you visit www.letsfaceitradio.com for up-to-date information on future shows, special guests, advertising opportunities, and exciting, interactive ways that you can be a part of the show. Join us next week, same time, same place, for real people. Real topics, real talk. Let's face it.